Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 14, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 12th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,146. That's 13146. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,148. That's 13148. This morning, A Vision for You presents The Path of Spiritual Progress. The 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. As a result of our spiritual awakening, we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension and a new world has come into view. These results are truly disproportionate to our efforts, yet our efforts are required to sustain and enlarge it. We must persist on this road of happy destiny. Life in recovery includes facing challenges and adjustments. There are new skills and new behaviors to develop and new attitudes to practice. The big book stresses the importance of living by spiritual principles. The steps continue to catalyze our inner growth, our new attitudes, and new spirit on this path of spiritual progress. Joining us today to speak about the path of spiritual progress is Elaine B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Elaine B. is faithful to our 12-step way of life, and she's here to share her experience, strength, and hope with all of us today. And with great pleasure, I welcome Elaine B. Thank you so much, Leah, for this opportunity, for all your service, and everybody who does great service, and for your beautiful introductions are always so awesome. What a privilege to be here with you all. Um, you know, I really want to buckle between the design for a living and the path of spiritual progress because uh, the path of spiritual progress is this design for a living. And I'm going to start off with a prayer and a promise. And um, so, God, please direct everything that I say so that what is most useful for people here. Um, from all the notes I've gathered and all the things that I've thought, to, thought about, uh, what's most, most useful for those that are here on the line and that may listen in the future. And um, this is part of my prayer. The page 100 promise. Page 100 promise. It's on page 100, the first paragraph, and I call it the 100% promise. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. I like promises. I'm into promises. The big book is full of promises and that is my absolute favorite promise. Why, why do I like promises? Because they motivate me from the misery and despair that I had uh, during my awful relapse back into the food where I just, I, I did not think that I was going to be able to get out. I thought I was going to lose everything that was near and dear to me. And it was at risk. It was definitely at risk. <laughs> 
but God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this amazing program of action. And so um, steps 1A and 12B are my ism, my, my compulsive overeating. I am powerless over my compulsive overeating. And my mission today is to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters. What is the message? It is this design for living that makes this promise come true. So 1A and 12B are my story with compulsive overeating, and I qualify. (laughs) I remember as a little girl eating frozen hot dogs right out of the freezer, a frozen hot dog. Yes, oh, my gosh. I can't even think of it now. My mom would, would monitor our food and try to measure it out so we'd have three Oreos. So, of course, I'd always snap four and always went back for more. Um, I'd sneak ice cream at night. I remember one year they made a, a cake for our neighbor, a birthday cake, and when I went to sneak some of the frosting off of that, I found out it was fake. I don't know what it was, but it didn't taste very good. And, oh, my gosh, I was so angry. <laughs> the best times I remember as a kid is going to the beach and then afterwards having burgundy cherry ice cream at the spot in Carpentria, California. <laughs> I loved it. It made me so happy. And, you know, driving to Dad to go to the um, – to go to the donut store and, uh, and you know, he would take us out to eat and 31 flavors and, you know, Dairy Queen ice cream and all of these things. And we'd always end with big resounding, thank you, Papa John. And, um, and those were, those were my happy times. That's where I learned my happy spot was in the sweet in the, in the food in the, um, and the ease and comfort that I didn't need then, but I later relied on. Um, I didn't know I had a disease. Even back then, it was years before I was to discover it. And it was also there back in California that my uh, my first uh, kind of spiritual experience really happened for me, and that was my first communion. You know, I love the attention, the pretty dress that I got and everything, but there was something real there for me. A real, I just really sensed something real. Um, didn't pursue it, didn't go on with it. We were not real, you know, hefty churchgoers or anything, but my mom thought that was an important thing for me to do. And um, when I was about 9 o'clock, we moved to Massachusetts. And that was really hard for me. We had had a family move in uh, to our neighborhood in California, and uh, they were called the Dirty Dozen because of every, everything they did. So, of course, in my little, in my little mind, I, I had this idea of how everybody in Massachusetts was going to be. They were going to wear jeans and sit on the sidewalk and smoke cigarettes, and that is bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I was a judge even then. I would I'd tell people to put a penny in the, in, in the Laney box if they called me Laney. I was trying to control my environment then all the time. So I guess I, I was, you know, I was needing ease and comfort even then and finding it in those in those sweet things that I was able to take and even not-so-sweet things um, like frozen hot dogs. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so um, so let's see. When, when we moved to Massachusetts, uh, I had a really hard time. I had a really, really hard time. Um, I didn't fit in well, and I needed more than three Oreos to make it. So I began stealing um, money from the lunch money jar, and uh, I'd ride my bike for miles to get candy. And, you know, you can only steal so much money. So I just started stealing the candy itself, and and um, that later led to a really important amends I needed to make. And um, I, I upgraded from the local little uh, family-owned drugstore to the grocery store up the street because there I could steal 12 packs, just bring a backpack and steal 12 packs of 
you know, candy bars and gum. And, and, you know, why did I have that? Because I didn't have a design for a living. I did not have a design for a living. You know, I didn't, I didn't get it for my family. Um, when I was upset or I had a problem or a challenge, the, it was go to your room so you can come up with a smile on your face. So I made darn sure I had something in my room that would put a smile on my face. Hence, thousands of candy in there. So um, I had another spiritual experience. Uh, every once in a while, we visit kind of different churches at that point, um, but it was pretty rare. But I remember going to one and just hearing a message that really, it, it got me. I knew I was doing some wrong things, and um, but this person was saying that, you know, uh, that God will stamp out every wrong thing that you've done, just like this goat bottle, I'm aging myself stamps out germs and and I'm like wow you know that's that's really powerful and and I connected with that but we never went back and that was you know it was just a little memory that came forward as I was looking at this um but it did impact me um so but I still needed ease and comfort so I kept stealing money stealing food stealing whatever I needed to do it but I also found other ways of getting um ease and comfort and uh, I love music, so I would dance, dance, dance at parties. I would drink and I would drug and I'd be looking for Mr. Right in all the wrong places. Any way that I could try to find a sense of ease and comfort. I was always looking for an outside solution for my inside problem. I didn't have a connection. I didn't have a design for living. I didn't have a, a way to deal with things. So I just tried to find... Um, sweet and stuff down my emotions. I, I broke all my buttons of, you know, what is fear? I don't know. Just eat something. Uh, what is what is uh, resentment? I don't know. Dance harder. <laughs> you know, what is loneliness? I don't know. Just look for somebody out there, <laughs> you know. Um, so it wasn't a really healthy or fulfilling way of life. And one day I remember sitting on a, on, on a curb um, I was living in Texas at the time, and and I, I really was suicidal. I'd written a poem that talked about, you know, this this house is just worn down and it's falling apart, and it's just, uh, you know, you might as well just tear it down. But I, 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 but then I wrote, no, just don't tear it down, but build it up from without and within. And I'm sitting on this corner, and this guy comes out of his house and sits down and just says, you know, you know, there's, you know, you're loved. You know, there's a God that loves you, and. Um, so I, I don't know what happened. I, I didn't really pursue that too much at the time, but um, but I did not long after that because I woke up. I, I was leaving the bar at night. It was very common for me to do to do uh, drugs and drink alcohol. And um, this is the compulsive overeating program. This whole time, I'm eating nothing but sweets. I'm eating nothing but crap. <laughs> But I'm just sharing that, you know, um, that there was an intervention in my life. I, I, I'm just, this is part of my spiritual experience. And so um, I, I, I woke up from a blackout and I was inches away from a pole on a median in the middle of a four-lane road. And um, my life was spared that day. I don't know how I got stopped except, you know, God must have done that. And so I did begin a, a spiritual search then. And um, and I went to a church, and uh, nobody would talk to me because I was a punk rocker. They didn't know what to do with me. So I stopped doing that, but I stayed close to God, and I built a relationship with them and continued my dear relationship with Eminem and Ben and Jerry and Sarah Lee and all the sweet ones, the Hershey's. I love the Hershey's. And, <laughs> you know, um, 
I didn't have a design for a living. I did not know how to deal with life. I did not know how to access the ease and comfort that I needed. And um, so I still pursued those things. It didn't work for me. One day I had an eight-hour battle with God. I am not getting my way. This is not okay. (laughs) You know, nothing's going the way that I want it. And and I woke up from or I ended that battle with, with a level of surrender. Um, you know, what, how I was trying to manage my life wasn't working. The drugs weren't working. Everything wasn't working for me. So I, I walked away from that. And again, I tried going to a, a church. And what I found in the church was, you know, loving people. I began a relationship more with a loving God, but I also found food. And in the absence of a design for living and a solution for the things that I still had, restlessness, irritability, discontent, resentment, fears, uh, driven by selfishness and self-seeking, I, I, and I wasn't dancing, and I wasn't doing any of those other ways to access these in comfort. So it was more and more food than I had ever eaten before, and I, I gained 100 pounds. I carried 100 extra pounds on my body for 20 years, and my poor back, you know, it's been impacted by that. So um, I also met my husband there, and... Uh, um, you know, a few years later, and he gave me my first 12-step. <laughs> he looked at me one day and said, I wonder who you are under all of that. You know, I'm just discovering, you know, even years of working this program and, and living in recovery, thank you, God, I'm still discovering who I am under all of this. So he was also my second 12-step. I ended up going to OA then, and I quickly identified out because I wasn't like that, you know, skinny, skinny, anorexic girl over there, and I wasn't like that person who was 200 pounds overweight, so I don't need this. And years later, I went back, and I remember I had moved away again, and he was visiting me, and we went to the meeting together. And at, at, that, at that meeting, I went a few times. I, this is what I heard. Want, 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 no sugar, <laughs> blah, 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 no sugar. It was like Charlie Brown's teacher, and I just had no connection with what they were really talking about except for the no sugar. So I gave up sugar for two months, lost 20 pounds, but I got this, and then I moved on. You know, um, this is a family disease. My mom's nickname by my sisters um, was Mother Hubbard, and my I have a sister that dealt with bulimia and another one with um, anorexia, hospitalized for anorexia. And uh, for me, I wore fat like a badge. I'm just fat. So my husband 12-stepped me again. I guess you'd call it a 12-step, but it certainly was a motivation for me when he asked me to marry him. And I was determined not to wear a size 24 or 26 wedding gown. And so then, again, I went to OA with a new determination. And, um, you know, I think in Bill's story how he had the ominous warning that he didn't heed on the uh, tombstone. Um, there was a man at that meeting who was, you know, a couple hundred pounds overweight, and he talked about how he had lost all his weight, but then he thought it was okay to eat popcorn. And that ended up to be a downfall for me. Um, but all went well for a while. I found a great sponsor, like my second or third meeting, and um, she gave me her phone number and the phone number for a, for phone meetings. And um, that started my relationship with phone meetings, and that was really great. The tools helped a lot, and, um, you know, I, I, I was able to begin to get a hold and, and uh, begin to lose weight. And my sponsor came with me and was with, you know, I talked to her every day on our month-long honeymoon, and um, 
she was just great. She helped me figure out how to do this thing and, uh, and you know, directed me to the tools and things like that. But I always saw that there was something different about the steps, and, and I would talk with her about that often, too. And um, she, was, she was with me for a long time, including with the tug-of-war when I said I wanted to have popcorn as my, my starchy vegetable. And um, after a while, I just stopped telling her that it was popcorn. I just said, you know, starchy vegetable because, you know, she, she, she knew better. She kind of, you know, a little bit hesitated on having that be okay. So um, it ended up being a step in the wrong direction out the door. I had been trying to work the steps. You know, there's many ways to work the steps. And the way that I was trying, the way that people do it around me, it takes a very long time to get through your four-step inventory. And uh, I spent six years with three sponsors and um, had to throw my workout away once and start over again. And so um, that was tough. That was really tough for me. Um, And when I got instructions for the fear inventory, I didn't have it in me. You know, I was already, already eating popcorn. And then I started drinking wine on occasion and wine a little bit more. And um, (laughs) next thing I knew I was whining all over the place and, um, and back in the food just, be draggled and um I knew that I knew the steps were a solution. I I what I needed that I didn't have is that sense of urgency. I did not have the desperation of a dying man. But at, by this time in this disease my marriage was ruined. My my I couldn't stop the food. I had I had stuff hidden everywhere in my house. Wine instead of buying, you know, quart bottles. I, I don't know. I was buying bigger bottles, and I, my drinking was getting more frequent. Um, I knew I needed to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and there was a, a, a man at one of those meetings that I thought, "Oh, I'll go to AA because I can't find, you know, OA meetings every day." Man, I just knew I was about to lose it all. It was awful. And then on day 45. A friend of mine on this line, um, I was at my face-to-face meeting. She gave me the number for Vision for You. That was a Saturday. On Sunday, I listened, and Ruth was talking about plain insanity, and that's exactly where I was at. I could totally, totally get it. And um, the next day, I heard <laughs> dear Leia say, we used to get our ease and comfort from food. We found another way. You know, we found another way. I was able to access the ease and comfort that I was looking for all along. It's all I really wanted from all of those substances, all of those people, from Ben and Jerry and Eminem. And so um, I was desperate. I was crying. I remember on the phone crying, 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 and, and begging this woman to sponsor me. And she so graciously agreed to, and it was absolutely wonderful. And then, you know, I'm talking to her about the food. What do I do? What do I do? Can I have this? Can I have that? She's like, oh, the food, the food. I am a compulsive overeater. Why don't you call a professional? So I worked with a nutritionist who said she knew OA. She was familiar with OA, but with the food plan she gave me, I knew she didn't really know OA, or at least the doctor's opinion, that there are certain foods that I have got to abstain from. I have got to uh, understand exactly what my allergic foods are that are going to trigger my allergies. Because if I don't get this foundation down, I'm not going to be able to do the rest of the steps. I'm not going to be able to live a sane and happy life. And so um, it's, it's kind of special because uh, the food plan that I got and eliminating those the substances 
I started doing that on 7-Eleven, which is the name of a, a chain store where I bought a lot of candy. I have no reason to go there anymore. 7-Eleven <laughs> 2013. So this past week I celebrated my anniversary date. And um, it's a safe place for me. It's like boundaries for, for a puppy. You don't want to send a puppy out in the yard unless there's a fence up, you know, or a baby, your kids. out. You want them to be safe and secure. And so I've found a way to be safe and secure with my food. I weigh and measure. I'm a quantity addict. I commit my food every day to a sponsor because I need that accountability. Um, and she helps me talk, you know, when things are, are, when I'm going through medical issues and I need to figure out how to deal with stuff, when I'm traveling, stuff like that. She's just been an amazing help to me. Um, but, you know, I found out that I needed boundaries, not just around my food. I need boundaries in other areas of my life as well. And this design for living helped me see where I'm stepping out of boundaries and what boundaries are safe so I can live happy, joyous, and free. So God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. God kept the food down while I was working these steps, learning this design for, for living. And the reason why is because I came to believe and I came to accept that I am 100% unmanageable with my food. Food, I am 100% a compulsive overeater. But the other part about my life being unmanageable, I continue to grow in that area of learning what places are unmanageable that I think I've got. So it's my own best thinking that gets me into that um, you know, I, I don't know how to deal with those emotions. You know, I just stuffed them down. I broke the button. Stop, stop, stop. I'll put a pound of, you know, something sweet on top of you. So page 28 of the big book says, we sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first to be a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving, powerful hand of God. A new life has been given to us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. All of us, no matter, a little later on that same page 28, all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms, so as long as we are willing and honest enough to try. And, um, you know, this is sort of my personal story of how that happened to me and how I got this design for living and the impact that it's made. Um, you know, this relationship with, uh, with spiritual experience, my relationship beginning with my higher power did feel like a flimsy read. And there's been times since I got recovered through the steps for the first time that it sure has felt like a flimsy read again, you know, and I had to, I had to supersize my God. I had to come up with a new conception of God that was going to be big enough for this mountain that I'm facing, for this for this big wave that I got to get over, you know. So, um, so this flimsy read, I hung on to it with the understanding that I had, knowing that um, that there's more, there's more. I I I was stuck, and what I had was not enough. And so I love, again, principles, I mean, promises, promises, promises. The employer promise, I absolutely love the employer promise. We have a new employer who'll give us everything that we need if we stay close to him and perform his work well. I have repeated that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. There's lots of ways you can identify and where you can start. You start with wherever you are, whatever you've got to start this relationship with a higher power. 
you can look at your past experiences, what were good and what were bad. What were the God of your understanding that you want to keep? And what were the God of your mis- misunderstanding that you, you cannot trust that God? You've got to let go. So um, that's what I had to do. I had to assess that God of my misunderstanding and my four steps and just get rid of that stuff, that garbage that was going to get in the way. So, um, so uh, a new employer, but, you know, the director, the principal, the agent, the father, you know, if we sincerely take that such a position, you know, we will have a new employer and we will be given everything that we need, not necessarily what we want, if we need, if we stay close to him, spiritual progress um, day by day. So that uh, third step prayer, I still start and end my day with it. And that ABC, you know, I'm powerless over fill in the blank today. And um, and my life is unmanageable and I need your help, God. And, and that third step promise, the seventh step as well. I love on page 42 where Fred is telling us his story. And he, he tells us that uh, it's, I call it the great bait and switch, that you know, quite as important was to understand that God wanted to help me with all my troubles. So that's the foundation for a base for for uh, a spiritual experience and a spiritual way of life. But what I needed to do is clear away the things that were blocking me from God, from myself, and from others. And all of that, you know, starting with the God of my misunderstanding, that that God that was standing in the corner of the room with a baseball bat just waiting to get me, (laughs) you know, if I did something wrong. That God, in my most recent experience, um, I I realized that God had, uh, that the script that I wrote for God, because I still write scripts for some people sometimes, you know, um, that I wrote for God was something that I could not live up to and that it was killing me. And so, um, so great to continue this journey by going through the steps and bringing other people through the steps because every time we do, we learn something new. Every time we do, we learn something new. More will be revealed. So, um, you know, one of the things that I love about step four is that column three, which really validates why I'm sore that really says, oh, you know, of course, this world and its people were often quite wrong. But to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. The more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Page 65, these clear-cut instructions, they hit home. So um, I use Lori C's wonderful forms for uh, going through the steps with my sponsor, and um, I use them when I sponsor people. But there's deeper ways that you can do this work. Um, the Big Book Awakening process for K, you know, all of these ways will dig a little deeper into that column three and um, and really help us understand our motivations and what drives us and the delusions that, uh, that have had so much power in our life. And so... Um, you know, I just got to say that I, I love so many people here that are, you know, a, a woman I was sponsoring is still working on her poor step now. And how many years later is it? I get choked up in tears in my eyes. And I just want to say something I heard in in a meeting, which was, you know, if the way you're doing the steps isn't working for you, find a way that's based on this big book and there's different variations. It's okay to try it another way. 
you know, it's okay. So um, page 64 says resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it sends all four of all forms of spiritual disease. For we've not been only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady has been overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. What is that mentally? The obsession of the mind that the food is going to bring me to ease and comfort. That if I manage my life, that I've got the script, that I know what's right. Wrong, 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 wrong. And physically, that allergy of the body is not going to get triggered if I do not put my alcohol foods in it, if I do not start my alcoholic behaviors, and also my alcoholic thinking that I know what's right, and I'm the director, and I know a better way, and, you know, easing God out, my ego getting bigger, bigger, bigger. So I look at where I'm selfish. What do I want? I want to run the show. I want to play by my script. I, I, you know, I want to be treated like this. I want to get that. My way, my time, I want it now, (laughs) you know. With my dishonesty and, you know, what I want, my selfishness changes. These are just some common examples for me. My dishonesty, what are the lies I told myself? I'll be happy if they only. I know what's best. If it's to be, it's all up to me. i got to carry the world on my shoulders and everybody with it. It's all their fault. Are there lies I told to others? Or are there things I should have said which I didn't? Did I steal? Um, self-seeking. What did I do? to get what I wanted? Was I people-pleasing? Was I kind? Was I generous? Was I demanding? Was I I cruel? You know, was I judgmental? What did I do when I didn't get what I wanted? Did I character assassinate you in my head or gossip about you with somebody else? Did I judge you? Did I try to fix you? Did I compare you to other people or me to other people, character assassinate, all of those things? I began to see my modus operandi. There's a fear behind every single resentment, and it is the key to am I going to turn my will and my life over to God or not? So I had to look at my fears clearly. I had to see what they were. What was the fear that was driving this resentment? You know, I love that I finally got to see why I ate because it's often because of what was eating me that I was eating. And I didn't have a design for living to cope with it, to learn about it, to, to dig into this stuff and, and know what to do with it all. So that fear inventory, am I going to try to keep trusting and relying on myself to manage my own life, do what every, um, you know, and everybody else's, or am I going to walk in the day of the path, walk in the way of the path of spiritual progress? Because it says if I persist, remarkable things will happen. When I look back, I realize the things which came to me when I put myself in God's hands were better than anything I could have planned. If I follow the dictates of a higher power, I will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what my present circumstances. So I had to realize that my self-will was standing in the way of God's best for me over and over and over and over with every single fear, you know. and um, uh, you know, in the resentment prayer, I learned how to ask, how can I be helpful? But here on my fear inventory, I learned to dialogue, dialogue with my higher power in a whole different way. You know, I learned to communicate. I'm building a relationship with my higher power. What do you want from me? Letting go of the reins, letting go of the control. Rope burns on my hands because I really think I've got it, but I don't. I don't. I don't. 
And, you know, I love being able to go to other people for insight with 10 steps, 11th and talking to my sponsor and stuff like that. But I always have to come back to God because page 98 says, we simply do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence on other people ahead of dependence on God. So um, page 62 says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Invariably, we find we have made decisions based on self that later put us in a position to be hurt. And um, the alternative is, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoy peace of mind, as we discover we can face life successfully, as we become conscious of his presence and we begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. This is what the fear inventory is intended to do, to turn us from our self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, and have that new power flow in, follow those dictates, enjoy peace of mind, discover we can face life successfully. You know, and this is a growing concern. I have one layer of fear that came off with my, you know, first time through the steps here. Um, I have other layers that have come off with every 10 step. There's a new opportunity to grow and have a new way of thinking and a greater relationship with my higher power. Sex. <laughs> we all have sex problems. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. I love the instructions for the sex problem on page 70 because it really applies to anything. Now to sum up about sex or trying to keep the food down when I'm working the steps or, um, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. We earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and the strength to do the right thing. If sex is troublesome or food is troublesome or, you know, whoever, whatever is troublesome, um, we throw ourselves harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. So you say, I'm new, I'm new, I'm in the food. How can I be of service to anybody else? How can I do that? Well, you can give someone a chance to 12-step to you, to tell you their experience with the steps, to encourage you, and um, that is doing service. So the last time I went through this uh, process, we looked at not just sex conduct, but our relationships, you know. I was able to come up with the right ideal for my relationship with my parents. And, man, they're aging. They're older. <laughs> and I had a lot of judgment. And I had a lot of hardness with them. And I am in great relationships with them now that I'm eternally grateful for. We'll talk more about that later. Anyway, um, having these ideals help me define and refine my guidelines and relationships when needed, and I can revisit them as I need to. And I'll tell you what, my relationship with my husband has grown so much. I mean, he is an amazing man, and, you know, um, there are things about him that used to drive me crazy that I'm like, this, this is the greatest gift. This is exactly what I needed, and um, I just couldn't see it before because I wanted my way. I wanted my script. Step five, you know, 
the root of all my fears were humiliation, rejection, and abandonment, and having it be all up to me. But I'm the one who set the ball rolling. And I saw this. I really saw this when I gave my fifth step away to my sponsor. I had made an inner vow. My mom left my dad. I went to visit her as a kid. She was in an apartment with cardboard boxes covered with contact paper for furniture. And, um, you know, we had, a, we had a pretty good house. My dad was successful. And, um, and I just made an inner vow that, you know, I thought it was his fault. I didn't know she had no, she, she said, I don't want anything from you. I'm on my own. And, and that's me. That's me. <laughs> just like her. But I thought it was his fault. And I, I wanted someone to blame another key character defect that I, I find again, victim, 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 blame, blame, blame. I don't have to live that way anymore. So I made an inner vow never to trust anyone to provide for me and my children, thinking that I would have some. I have not had any children. Um, and that inner vow cut me off. I, I cut myself off from my father. I cut myself off from my earth, earthly father. And then I saw I cut myself off from my stepfather. And I saw I cut myself off from boyfriends that I had. And there's a level that I saw I had cut myself off from my husband, but I found I had cut myself off from my heavenly father as well. And I needed to see that and admit that. And when I did, I was open up to a vast new level of relationship with my heavenly father, which has, it, it, this is the place where I was rocketed into a new dim- dimension a new power, a new life, a new way of thinking. And yet more is revealed every day. These layers, there's so many layers. There's always more to look at and to give away every day. Thank God for steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, So that was my spiritual experience. When I gave it away, I was unblocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And um, that can happen for us anytime up to step 10. I also got powerful feedback and a new way of looking at things when I when I um, when I talked to my sponsor, so that I could throw out old conceptions um, and come come up with new ones. And I also learned the song as I was giving my fifth step away. I I I I, it's all about me. <laughs> She's so precious. It's a great honor to to have given my. My fifth step away. It's a great um, act of humiliation. Of of um, it's not humiliating, but it's humbling, and um, and it's very loving, and um, it's given me a chance to learn to be honest with the stuff that I've tried to hide for all these years. That was killing me. It was killing me. I'm in the middle of taking a fifth step from a sponsee, and it's just such an honor. Just such an honor. Um, it says that uh, once we've taken the step with holding nothing, we're delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone in perfect peace and ease. Our fears will fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had spiritual beliefs, but we have begun to have a spiritual experience. Ah, we know God better. So um, step six, I, now I finally see it. I see the ways that I was trying to run the show when I wasn't getting what I wanted. You know, my eight-hour hissy sit with God, you know, helped me step away from some things, but it did not give me this design for a living. Now I see what I'm doing that needs to change. All of my character defenses, somebody calls them, and I absolutely love that. This is my coping skills. That's how I learn. And I finally see that they're objectionable. I don't want to live this way anymore. Am I willing to let God have them, all of them? 
If not, I need to take that to prayer meditation. What benefit am I getting out of holding on to this character defect? Step seven, I am as powerless over letting go of all of those coping mechanisms um, as I am with the food. But again, we're back to Fred with the great bait and switch. Um, You know, God wants to help me with all my problems today. So I need to continue to grow spiritually in this area. It's a very important part of my spiritual path to look at um, how I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, to watch for it all day. Because like I said, I broke those buttons. I stuffed them with pounds of food. I kicked them with, the heart, with, heavy, with heavy dances. I did all these things to smash those things because I didn't know how to deal with them. But now I had to let those uh, God-given um, instincts direct me, those uh, physical responses and reactions, those emotion, emotions to be like um, signposts on the road to guide me as to what I need to do to restore my sanity, my ease, my comfort, you know. Um, so step eight, I finally got to take account for the damage I had done and became willing to go out and talk to them. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I need to see how I would want to be treated, and I wasn't looking at it that way. I wanted to see how I wanted to get what I wanted, <laughs> and um, I had to learn to 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 really turn things around that day. You know, if I'm judging someone today, would I want them to judge me? If I'm trying to fix someone today, would I want them to try to fix me? Um, so just all of these ways, it's a design for living. It's a new way of thinking about things. Instead of me, 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 it's all about me. So, and then going, you know, um, going out and and face to face. Wow, tough stuff, you know, tough stuff. That that woman whose store I stole the candy from. She didn't want to talk to me. She when I talked to her, she said, "I'm afraid of you." I was afraid every time you came into our store because I knew you were going to steal from us. I told my children about you. It was so sad. She said, I don't want anything from you. Just change. I'm like, that's why I'm calling. I want to change. And I I talked with three people. My sponsor had me talk with three people to discuss each of my my amends. And and that helped me build my my community. It was really, really helpful. But again, I can't rely on everything they say. I've got to bring it back to God because he's ultimately the one I've got to follow. And so um, one of those people said, why don't you give candy to children that can't have candy? And so I provided enough candy for, <laughs> I thought it was going to be for one party, <laughs> for 200 orphans to have candy at a party. I thought they'd get three pieces each, but she's like, no, you know, we'll do it for three occasions and we'll give them one piece each. <laughs> I still have that, that thinking, but thank God, not that kind of eating anymore. Um, so, and again, the most meaningful ones have been through my mom and my dad. I did, you know, make amends uh, uh, and financial restitution and some different things uh, with them. But um, but it's this living amends. It's living a different way, you know. Um, it's not ain't it grand as the wind stop blowing. There's, there's a long period of re- reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. Page 83 says this, the, the spiritual life is, is not a theory. We have to live it. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We step on the toes of our fellows. Um, yeah, we, so I don't want to step on any toes anymore. And so my dad is in a wheelchair. He's not able to say complete sentences. 
he has Alzheimer's, he cannot feed himself, um, he can't do anything. And, um, you know, he's advanced in the state, uh, but it's been over this time of his illness progressing that I've fallen more and more in love with this man. And one day I got everything I wanted when his uh, caretaker was walking him through the kitchen. I didn't need this, but I wanted it. And he pointed at me, pointed, stuck his arm straight out, pointed at me. He goes, you, you. And I'm looking at him and he goes, I love you. (laughs) It was so beautiful. And it was everything I ever wanted. It filled up years and years and gaps. It was exactly what I needed. And, and, um, but I loved him. I chose to love him beforehand. It was just a beautiful, beautiful extra bonus. And my mom, I have a beautiful relationship with her. I talk nearly every day. We we share a similar, uh, you know, trust in, in in our Savior. And we, we love to talk about him and pray. And so, um, okay, step 10. Watch for selfish and self-seeking dishonesty and fear. I've already said I broke those buttons. I need this reminder. Look for it. Look for it. Learn what this is. Learn what it's like. Learn how to deal with it. Deal with it at once. You know, the instructions are watch for it. Ask God to remove it. Discuss it with someone. Make amends quickly if you've harmed anyone and resolutely turn my thoughts to somebody else I can help so I don't turn back and wallow in it, you know. So, um, I remember my sponsor saying it's sort of like getting cool on your shoe. You step on dog do you stop and you clean it up. And it's like if I don't do that, I'm going to attract something stinky around with me every single day. And um, it is, you know, that's not the way I want to live. Well, how I want to live is, is this other part of step 10. Every day is the day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best best serve you. Your will not mine be done. This is the proper use of my will. Finally, a design for living. Some of you tell me how to use this will that I've got. It's not to get my way. It's to follow someone that's motivated by nothing but love. Oh my gosh. Page 85. We will see that our new attitude towards towards liquor, towards food, has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. Page step 10 promise. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition, as long as we continue with this spiritual life by doing these steps, you know. It has to continue for a lifetime. Page 85 says, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth step, but we must go further, and that means more action. And even here today, I was, it was October, it was uh, Columbus Day weekend at Lori C's retreat in Framingham, Massachusetts, where I got to go see <laughs> my uh, my food sponsor sitting right there at the table with me, my very first food sponsor. And, um, you know, that was that was where I took my, uh, did my last night step that, that, um, that time, and I took my first sponsee, and, um, you know, I'm still growing, I'm still developing this vital um, first step. But I love the clear cut instructions in step 11 that, um, you know, this design for living. And my spiritual development cannot continue unless I keep doing this. 
And uh, and I love this thought of second chances <laughs> because if I climbed in bed with poo on my shoe and I don't even know it or I'm just trying to ignore it or whatever, 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 my 11th step gives me a chance to take care of that before um, I before I do. Most days I do a written um, 11th step with a, a precious friend in this community. And um, my writing sometimes helps me go deeper. I also revisit 10 steps that I may have taken through the day and that I took through the day and um, and uh, that chance to get anything I've missed. And with this community, if something big comes up that I need to talk to somebody about, I can call someone in California or Arizona or Colorado or <laughs> wherever, and I'm not waking them up. So um, it's great. I need to ask those questions. Have I been selfish, self-seeking, um, dishonest, and afraid? Have I kept anything to myself that needs to be discussed at once? Do I need to make an amends? Have I been kind and loving? What could I have done better? Have I been only thinking about myself or asking, um, doing what I can do? I also do a God sighting. I'm writing how I saw God show up at that day and writing a list of uh, five five gratitudes uh, to God every day is also builds my relationship and helps me see how God, that God, is showing up for ways that I can't do for myself, way above and beyond the food or helping me not become a power, powerless victim today or try to run the show. So um, in the morning, consider my plans for the day. Ask God to control my thinking. Uh, there's a verse I love that is the mind controlled by the spirit is, uh, oh, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't quote a verse from non non approved literature. So uh divorce from self pity, dishonest and self seeking motives. Um my thought life is on a higher plane when it's divorced from wrong motives. So um page one sixty four says, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for the man who's still sick. So um I do that. I do that. I actually have a number of things that I've added to my step eleven because I need to retrain my brain. I need new ways of thinking. And um and this is the other thing that I absolutely love about step 11 that I, on page 86, paragraph 3. We may face indecision about our days, so we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers will come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. We find that our thinking will be more and more on the on the plane of spiritual inspiration, we come to rely on it. Um, and this is an area where I'm still growing. So there's one line in this big book that talks about, you know, all throughout the day that God will give us what we need to take care of such problems. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm at step 11. Where's my problem-free life? Where's my problem-free life? No, 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 no. We have problems every single day. You know what? I'd much rather sit and talk to somebody uh, about a problem that I have and get their help using these steps or and these principles or or to um, have someone help me than sit in a movie, you know, or walk on a beach. It's just real meaningful relationship. So I've had to I've had to dig a lot deeper when some sexual abuse came up in my family that triggered a history of my of and um, me outside of the family, and I had to dig deeper. But God brought me to a whole new level with that. Very difficult work situation that I had. Uh, constantly doing ten steps. I was I remember being in another country working for them, talking all night long on the phone just to get myself clear so I could make it through the day, you know, because it was daytime here when it was nighttime there. So so challenging for me but I learned so much I learned so much about myself my aging parents and the love and opportunity I have to give to them 
um, I was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago, and I'm in the middle of a little over a year and a half of treatments, but God has helped me through this whole thing and, and what it's done in my relationship with, with God to learn to rest, to learn to relax and take it easy, um, all of those things. I used it as an opportunity to go through the steps again, and I learned so much in that time about my relationship with God and others and um, revisiting my relationship ideals. And I'm using it now to go through the steps in a small group of people where I can look at all the other things that I still need to grow in, you know, continue for a lifetime. Having had step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result, the, it is the result of these steps, this design for living, a spiritual awakening, a design for living. Oh, my gosh. We tried to carry this message um, to compulsive overeaters. And so that's what I'm trying to do right here. You know, that's, that's why I'm here today um, because this is a message of hope. This is a message of depth and weight. It's not my message. It's an inspired message in these pages of the big book. And there are so many promises, you know, all throughout this big book. One is on page 89, working with others. Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Uh, boy, you know, it's just so beautiful to have this vision for you community. I can come here and be inspired and hear things, new things I never heard and confirm things I knew and reaffirm my, my need for this program, my need for, um, you know, keeping that food down day to day and my spiritual experience growing from day to day. But I also love that I found a community within the community of people I can um, do 10 steps with, people who share my faith, that we can study uh, spiritual literature together, that we can go deeper and deeper and deeper in relationship with our with our common um, higher power and Heavenly Father. And um, I just love that. So, um Many of my sponsees I'm still in touch with and, you know, met some of their sponsees and it's just really such so awesome. Some of them I'm not in touch with and shout out to you. Give me a call. I love to hear how you're doing. And, um, yeah, to practice these principles in all our affairs, every day, everywhere, all the time, and so we grow. It says, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. And I also want to, you must remember that your real reliance is always on God. He will show you how to create the fellowship he craves. God will call. Elaine, we seem to have lost you. Star one to unmute. Always about God. He will show you how to create the fellowship that you crave. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And I want to end again with a great gratitude to all of you and to everybody who makes this meeting possible. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. 
follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Thank you so much. And I pass. Thank you, Elaine, for inspiring all of us this morning. Thank you for carrying a message of depth and weight and hope and possibility this morning. Much appreciated. Elaine's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll stay tuned for that, please. We will now transition to question-answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your first name and the first letter of your last name as well, please. Ginger C. Good morning, Ginger. Anyone else? Melissa P. Melissa P. Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Let's start off with Ginger C. Go ahead, Ginger. Good morning. Uh, thanks, Leah, for your continued service. And Elaine, oh, my gosh, you just moved me in so many ways through that beautiful talk that you just shared from your heart, so evident that a higher power is working through you. And um, you mentioned in the fourth step you found a new employer. And I'm just curious if you can elaborate a little bit further on how did you find this power that you can fully rely upon Elaine, we do not hear you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate Mm -hmm. that. So, um, yeah, Ginger C., I just got to say right back at you. I'm always inspired by your share. Thank you so much. You know, part of it is um, that whole concept of acting as if, right? So I read these promises in the book over and over. I I go to a, you know, my face-to-face meeting, they read the step nine promises over and over and over and over and over again every meeting, and that's the motivation. And so for me, I hold on to these promises for dear life. When things feel like a flimsy read, you know, that promise, my employer will give me everything I need if I stay close to him and perform this work well. And at night, when I write my gratitude list, it's a chance to acknowledge I got that direction that thing worked out okay, thank you for this, thank you for that. So it's that constantly building. And um, this page 100 promise, I also quoted this so many times to so many people. Sorry, everybody. But um, I need that encouragement. I need that inspirement, inspire, inspiration. And so it's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. It's trusting and relying rather than myself, than on myself than on God. And sometimes I don't know what those outcomes are. That was the hardest thing for me to give up was the outcome. But the more and more I put myself in God's hands, the more and more I can trust that that promise is true. He will give me everything I need, not when I want it, not when I need it. You know, um, my husband moves at a very different pace than I do. You know, my list of things that need to get done need to get done now. But with the cancer, I've had to slow down, and I'm learning. They don't. They really, really don't, and it's okay. So that's kind of where I'm at with that, Ginger. I hope that helps. Mm, Thank you so much. Thanks, Ginger C. Melissa P., your turn. Melissa P., 
our one to unmute. Can I be heard? Now I hear you now. Okay, perfect. I hit mute on my iPhone, sorry. Um, Elaine, thank you so much for your share. I'm sitting out on my back patio with the sun shining on my face, just taking in everything you say, and what a gift from higher power to hear what you are saying this morning. Yesterday I was in a meeting, and a woman said something that really struck me, and then you kind of touched on it again. She had said, my husband is God's handiwork tailored to grate against my rough edges and help me become more godlike. And then you speaking about your work with your husband today, and I know you just touched on it a little bit to Ginger's question. Um, but if you could speak a little bit about the work that you did around improving your relationship with your husband, um, because that's the situation that I'm in right now, trying trying not to do a better job than God, always fighting the urge to think that I need to be the general manager of the universe. Um, I would really appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for your share and your service this morning. Oh, I hope you don't mind me chuckling because boy, oh boy. (laughs) You know, we all have so much in common. I always thought how terminally unique I was and I had the right answers for everything. And, and, you know, boy, (laughs) I am not alone out there, but you know, um, yeah. And, and, the greatest thing, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking this morning, I was, you know, meditating on this higher power that made butterflies and flowers and birds that go tweet, 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 and also made lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. It's like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does, you know? And so, um, so when I, uh, became, uh, you know, I knew my husband for 16 years before we got married, and, and you know, now we just celebrated our 15th anniversary, and so um, the the longer I'm with him, the longer I see how perfect he is for me, and I love the story in the big book um, about the magic magnifying mind, um, of page four, I think it's 416, acceptance was the answer, and um, it talks about, I'm a on page 420, I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. And, um, you know, it just chokes me up because the things that drive me crazy about him are areas that I'm resisting about God um, doing in me. And uh, some of those are slowing down, taking our time, thinking about decisions before we make them, asking for help, being patient, um, and also when we clean the dishes (laughs) and who's going to clean them. (laughs) So um, the other thing, you know, there are other programs that can can help with our with our thinking but those are some of the things in that whole that guide about you know how would people how would I want to be treated in this situation you know this person is sick the sick man's prayer and um and I have I have prayed everything that I want for myself be given to him (laughs) I haven't counted but probably in a thousand times you know (laughs) 
So um, I need to lean into my higher power when I don't accept something because that spiritual axiom is showing me that there's something wrong in me. And again, I broke all those buttons, so I have to fish around and learn what's wrong in me. You know, um, so if I'm disturbed, I, I need to figure out what it is in me and just going through those steps help me do that. And again, that third column, um, you know, digging deeper into the third column of the four-step resentment inventory has revealed a lot to me about, you know, the instincts that are impacted and what, how I'm trying to direct the show that I need a new way of thinking. And so thanks for the question, Maureen. Great question. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks so much. Who else has a question this morning for our speaker, Elaine B? Star one to unmute. Anita B. Anita B. Deborah M. Deborah M. Leslie M. Leslie M. Who else? Star one to unmute. Courtney W. Courtney W. Okay. I'm sorry, did someone else pop in? Okay, let's start with Anita B. Everybody else mute, please. Thank you. Thanks so much, everybody, and thanks, Elaine, for your hope. Um, This is Anita B. from New Jersey, and I didn't catch the very beginning of the meeting, so I'm sorry if you'll have to repeat something you already shared, but um, I just heard a lot about the design for a living, you know, and um, I've just been... Uh, struggling with how long does that take? Because for me, I feel like um, I'm constantly trying to get back to remembering what that design of living is, and I don't always remember. So I was just wondering how long it took you, I guess, to go through all those steps and get the spiritual experience and have that design for living. Thanks. Thank you so much. You know, um, the design for living um, is like a puzzle you can take apart and do over and over again because, uh, you know, I keep working it. I keep working it. And every time there's a whole new layer, but the, the process is the same, and it's the steps. It's, you know, first of all, keeping food from blocking me from my higher power. But then, um, but then um, you know, working the steps to see what, what's eating me, you know, that's causing me to to want to eat or so the design for living um it is the steps and um and i did share uh that it was when i the the spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about to bring about recovery as a promise of step 10 so it should happen by step 10 um but uh that means that you could be as much as um halfway through the ninth step um when all those promises start taking place and it's different for everybody. Um, so when and how you get it is uh, the when is really up to your higher power. The how is by working the steps. And the how to continue having it and maintaining it is by continuing to work the steps. And um, all, all 12 steps. And um, that's, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Thank you, Anita B. Deborah M. Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Deborah M. 
We Can hear you. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you. Thank you so much for your share. It's a great morning. And you spoke about, and you quoted the big book somewhere, but you quoted about when you did your de- 10 steps, although you went to people, you know, as you should, you gave your 10 step away, but then you had to go back and really work with your higher power on that. And then you quoted a place in the big book about um, your, you know, people or without people, you know, you just can't pick up. Um, Could you just elaborate on that a little bit? Thank you. Yeah. You know, um, I I would love to be able to just have somebody I could pick up the phone who'd always give me the right answer of everything that I should do. Um, Because I have a tendency to want to have access to, you know, to what I want, when I need, when I want. Um, page 98, paragraph 1 says, we simply do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence on other people ahead of dependence on God. And so um, I need to always, 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 always have, uh, you know, go back to my higher power before I move ahead with actions um, that people have recommended or suggestion, suggested. And, you know, actually, oftentimes when taking a, a, a fifth step or taking an 11 step or, you know, working with somebody, um, I don't want people to follow my direction. I've had people who, who want, just tell me what to do, just tell me what to do, or they keep coming back for, you know, you know. But it's great to get ideas from other people. So I love that we have this community of people who have common problems just like me. And, um, you know, I'm not terminally unique as I thought I was. But if I'm just running out saying they said to do this, then they become my higher power. Um, and what this whole spiritual experience is about is building a relationship with a higher power that, um, you know, has all wisdom and knowledge and, and will direct me what's right for me. And so it's great to get other ideas from people. I need that outside input because my own best thinking got me into the, into this mess. And so, um, so uh, as I build that relationship um, and as I work with others, it's always, you know, if, if I have something to share with somebody, it's always for their prayerful consideration. You know, let's take everything that we learn, bring it back to God and see what's right for us. There may be wisdom and truth in what they say, but it may not be the right action for me at that moment, at that time. Um, so I hope that helps. Thanks for the question. That was that was perfect, except I missed the page. It kind of went out for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, page 98, paragraph 1. That's that's what I quoted. We, we simply don't stop drinking unless we place dependence on other people instead of uh, ahead of dependence on God. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah M. And Leslie M., you're up. Good morning. This is Leslie Ann. Uh, Leah, thank you so much for your service. And Elaine, thank you for your beautiful uh, talk this morning. I got so much out of it. I was just wondering, I've just started with a couple of new sponsees. I was just wondering what you are, um, how you start with people um, to see if they're ready and willing to do the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, 
I start I start with reading the doctor's opinion and I pause at certain points and ask them to identify in. Have you suffered alcoholic torture? Tell me all about it. Tell me their story. I want to get them back into that place of desperation to see, you know, this is a deadly disease and, you know, do you really have power? What means have you tried to control it? What have you tried to stop doing and then you couldn't stop? Or when you did stop, how could you not stop from suffering starting again? And um, so that's a big part of it. I go slowly through the through the doctor's opinion, really talk about it with them and get their story and share my story. And um, the next step is uh, the food. You know, will they get uh, accountability around their food? They need to identify their alcoholic foods and behaviors. And, um, and I, I prefer, again, you know, my sponsor said, I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't tell you what to eat. Hire a professional for that or get, you know, uh, get get a food plan from a reliable source, um, which there are several. And um, so I get them on a food plan. I, For me, accountability is really important, um, especially in those first, first few months as you're doing the steps. Um, some people don't do that, and, and that's absolutely fine. But for me, I found it essential, and so I do look for that. And uh, when, as I'm beginning to work with people, I ask them, how's your food, how's your food? And they will, you know, some of them will send me their food for the first uh, few months as we're working together. Um, then after that, I, I'd prefer them to, you know, find somebody else to be accountable uh, to with the food so that I'm, you know, not checking a million people with the food. So that's a, a crucial thing. Um, but if they do have a problem with the food, then we do just what the big book says. We go back, we explore what happened, what were you thinking, what was going on, you know, because we want them to build their personal experiences. If we didn't happen with the doctor's opinion and as we're reading through, um, you know, I have them read Bill's story and identify on their own. We don't read that together, but we do read uh, There's a Solution and More About Alcoholism together. And uh, it's identify in, identify in, see what this is, you know, have have we smashed home? Are you absolutely sure you've got this thing? You know, do you understand? Um, so that that 1A, that is the foundation that I really make sure is there um, when I'm working with people. And oftentimes if they're not willing or not able to put down the food, that'll show up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, as we proceed and so but if it doesn't then we get to keep going all the way through and that's the greatest it's just so awesome to see people recover just like that quote that i read so thanks for the question it's a great question important one thanks leslie m courtney w paging courtney w your question please star one on mute hi hi i'm here thank you very much um Yes, I was very inspired this morning hearing about the spiritual connection, your points of view, um, and about I like the big wave, you know, you were talking about and um, came to believe, came to accept. Um, how about the four-step uh, profile thing or worksheet or something or thing you were mentioned, someone I couldn't quite get the name right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm late. Is it okay if I mention those things? Are those outside issues? I'm not sure if I shouldn't have mentioned those. Are you talking Lori C? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's under OA's uh, umbrella, I think. So go okay, ahead. That's great. 
So, yeah, uh, Lori C., who is a, a common speaker on Vision for You and a common wonderful speaker at our amazing conferences, um, has a website called oabigbook.info. And uh, he has uh, provided forms that lay out the instructions beautifully that you can use to um, to walk through those uh, those inventories, as well as um, steps eight and nine. And so that's oabigbook.info. Excellent resource. Thank you. And yeah, and then Herb K also has a website. Um, just I think it's herbk.org, and um, he is also. Uh, a good resource. So, thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Courtney. And we have time for a few more questions. This will be the last invitation for questions. Star one to unmute. Susan A. Susan A. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Great opportunity to ask questions. Going once. Twice. Anita J. Oh, Anita. Okay. Anyone else? In addition to Susan and Anita. Summer D. Summer D. Michael M. Gotcha, Michael. Okay, that's a great group. Let's Vicky T. Oh, and Vicky T. You squeeze right in. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, everybody mute, please, except for Susan A. Hi, Leah. Can you hear me? I hear you well. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much. It was. Um, I loved your message of hope, and I loved the enthusiasm with which you delivered it. This is probably a very quick question. I might have missed something. What do you mean by 1A to 12B? I didn't ever know there were letters involved. <laughs> so. Oh, they're not. They're my own silliness. Okay, so um, 1A, and I'm looking at the steps. And they are on page uh, 52, is it? 59. Okay, 1A. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, uh, compulsive overeating, 1A. B is that our lives had become unmanageable. So 1A is my admission that I am a compulsive overeater. I'm powerless over food. 12 has three parts to it. Step 12 on page 60. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps is A. We try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters, B, and to practice these principles in all our affairs, C. So the only places that really identify um, my need to address and, and to focus on my compulsive overeating is step 1A and step 12B. But all the other steps and the rest of those steps are about this, um, you know, path of spiritual progress. They are the design for living. Well, those inclusive are the design for living. Um, and uh, so that's what I mean. We don't really talk much about the food. Um, 
other than that, other than that, that was our source for all of these different things and, and what was lurking under all of those pounds of pounds and pints and quarts and boxes. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Susan A. Anita J. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Hey, Elaine, wonderful <laughs> to hear you. The miracle of Elaine. And um, <laughs> I I wanted uh, to ask, because it's been happening to me more and more now, that so are you getting any requests from your face-to-face meeting to sponsor? Well, that's my question because I know that they do it different in Massachusetts. So I, that's my yeah. question. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, um, in my face-to-face meetings, they ask people if they are available to sponsor, and so, um, so then you're you're given that opportunity to to make yourself available. And um, there are a couple of things that I found that the people uh, face-to-face that. Uh, it works best with is if they have a commitment to vision for you because I see this such as such an important resource. And um and also I I often do not have availability and particularly with the cancer I've not been able to take on as many sponsees um at one time that I have in the past. So, you know, I have uh several in ten, eleven and twelve that I continue to keep contact with, um, and uh, one that now is in step five. But right now, I'm, I'm really not able to do more than that. So, um, but really, it, it does come down to identifying myself as someone who is an available sponsor. So, but I do have people ask, you know, um, if I can if I can do that, and I let them know what what for for me what I feel works best, and um, you know that. It 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 doesn't always turn that they are some that they want to you know do that. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Great Thanks. question and great to hear from you, Anita. Thank you. Thanks, Anita J. Summer D, you're up. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much for your service and what a beautiful um, a beautiful presentation of of what this uh, what this program has to offer. Um, and you said two really great things that I just want to thank you for, and then I'll pose my question. Um, so you really, I heard the promises a lot. So um, that reminded me that when I focus on the promises, the bedevilments will probably have less of a chance uh, because I'll be so motivated by the promises. So I want to thank you for that. And also for design for living. I heard that quite a bit as well. And, you know, as a newly recovered member of this amazing community, um, you know, this is all this new way of living. It's it's totally different than anything I've experienced before. So, so thank you for those two things. I would like to know personally, as myself, as a, a severely recovering codependent, how you mentioned, how are you able to uh, to slowly learn to bring your questions? to God first. I know one of the things that, many things I love about my sponsor, but one of the main things is I'm always told, well, I don't have that answer, you know, just take that to God, or that's between you and God. But how did you personally uh, overcome that? Thank you. Um, That's a really good question. Um, That's a really good question. 
you know, for me, there's a level of conscious contact that um, needs to be constant for me. It's not just when I pick up the phone to do a 10-step or just when I ask for help at the beginning of working with a sponsor or um, a sponsee, rather, or um, just when I want to share on a meeting or just when I'm going to do step work, um, my 11th step or my 10th step. But it's really a conscious, uh, constant conversation. And so even um, there are times even where I, I ask, who should I call? It's been stunning, some of the 10 steps that I've done that, you know, going through very unique experiences and, and feeling directed to call somebody who has gone through some the exact same thing or something very similar or who has an insight that um, that that I really need. So um, ultimately, another thing that I do is, um, you know, in this last <laughs> – this last time through, I came up with this thing, and I, I have it at the beginning of my 11 step that I review every morning. And there's only one to watch, one seek, one that has all knowledge, power, answers, wisdom, knows everything, past, present, and future about everybody. There's only one who has the ability to meet all my needs. There's only one who cares and loves and knows me enough uh, to prepare and lead me to what's best. And so I'm constantly always reminding myself that, you know, there is this one, but there is a beautiful resource. So I think it's great to ask questions, but particularly in a sponsor-sponsor relationship, it's very important that we do not build that reliance on us as the one that has an answer. And so that's what I see a very wise sponsor doing for you is directing you, keep coming back to that, that spiritual thing. So one way you can do it is sit down and write your questions. One way, one way you can do it is just say, okay, I'm just going to pause for a few minutes ask this question, see if I get any feedback, or even just say, who should I call? Is there somebody I should get? But it's including that higher power um, more and more in your life. And that's not an overnight matter. That, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's progress. And so um, you're, you're doing great, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you made it through the steps, and um, it's just, just wonderful. Thank you, Elaine. And thank you, Summer D, for the question. Michael M., your turn. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for the speaker. I'm a long-time, and here's a question I have. I mean, we've always been taught that this is a threefold disease, physical, emotional, and, and spiritual. I don't always hear as much of the emotional that I need because I, I've been I've been in a long time, and thank God, thank higher power, Buddha, all the above, my life has actually been my dream. But I go through all the years, and I'm in two programs, that I've been in both programs and studied the big book. I go through different um, times of either periodic or it will just happen of, of sadness or depression. And a higher percent of addicts go through that. I'd like to hear if you or anybody have gone through that. What do what what do they do? What do they find? I pray. I go to I go to you know my religious part of my program. I go to my spiritual part of my program. My food is good, and I will be happy as a pig in poop. And all of a sudden, I will wake up one day and be sad. And I I do my very very best to work with it. But I am not alone except for you don't hear it very much. Uh, 
our, my issue is physical, emotional, and spiritual. So I'd like to know if anybody has any ideas how they pull themselves out of the darkness when they don't even know how they got there. Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you for that. And thank you for your honesty and vulnerability there. Yeah, I totally I totally agree. Um, you know, emotional sobriety is really um is is really something that's important and um these steps are the ways that, that, that I have found that I've definitely you know, definitely had a lot of feelings when the whole issues of sexual abuse came up, my work challenges, the cancer, um, you know, issues in the home. And, and I definitely have days where I, I'm just really down. And one of the things that I need to do is allow my feelings, just allow, accept the fact that I have these feelings and uh, allow them to be expressed. And, um, you know, I always thought that feelings were bad. Bad feelings were bad and you needed to sweeten them up or stuff them down. That's how I broke all my buttons. I didn't even understand really, you know, that I was driven by fear or that I was angry or upset or that I had felt, um, you know, hurt by something somebody did or didn't do. And um, it's really when I, when I take the time to allow myself to feel those feelings, uh, sometimes I have a really good cry. Sometimes I need to check out. But always I need to bring it to the steps. You know, is there something here that I have not identified? I had to learn what all those feelings were and what they meant. You know, um, my selfishness, self-seeking, and dishonest behavior are indications that one of my instincts has been harmed. And again, that column three work is really um, helpful in going deeper for me to see where these feelings come from and to get in touch with what felt threatened in me um, to bring about uh, that deep, deep despairing feeling or what fear and delusion is driving me to think that, you know, everything's hopeless. So a lot of it is, um, a lot of it is just, you know, get, getting back with the higher power, giving myself time. Um, however, there are times when the feelings are very uh, severe, that some of the things that we've experienced, um, emotional trauma and things like that, you know, the big book does say that there, you know, there's a place both for to go outside for religious help, but also to go outside for professional help. And that doctors and psychiatrists sometimes are, um, you know, they're they're there to to help with those type of things, and so that is another thing that we can explore. Um, again, I just want to always bring those things back to my higher powers. What's your direction? What would you like um, to uh, to have me do? And so um, again, thanks for your honesty. I have really experienced um, some emotional stuff, especially with these bigger things that happen, these bigger waves, but. I often will lean into the promises knowing that God will give me what I need. I don't like the pain that I'm feeling today. I don't like the nausea I'm feeling. I don't like that I'm bald, <laughs> you know. But even, uh, you know, getting a wig from a front-end program ended up being a beautiful experience. So I thought I'd have a problem-free life, but instead the big book tells me I'm going to have problem after problem after problem after problem, but I will be given what I need if I stay close to God and perform this work well. And sometimes that means reaching out um, beyond myself uh, for professional help or uh, wisdom from spiritual 
leaders or making a call to somebody I feel inspired to do. Um, but often it's just sitting with God at first and getting access to the ease and comfort that I need, letting myself be honest about what's happening with me, get in touch with my feelings and emotions, and see what the next right step is, doing a 10-step, making a call, whatever it is. So thank you for that question, and thanks for the opportunity to do service. Thanks, Michael, for your question. And our final question today comes from Vicki G. Hi, thank you, Vicki G, actually. And Leah, I just want to know if you are on social media or vision social media. Oh, um, actually, I refrain from that. I have enough uh, challenge with all the communications going on currently, gotcha. calling and text. But thank you for the question. And, of course, thank you to everybody who posed a question uh, to our speaker, Elaine B. Elaine, thank you for carrying such a message of depth and weight, uh, truly inspirational to me and I'm sure so many. Thank you very much. The share ID for today's presentation, 13,152. That's 13152 for Elaine's presentation this morning. We're going to close from something familiar to you. It's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. You'll find it on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of a happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.